Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Y'all ready for some word? Debbie, I'm going to miss you. I love her smile. <laughs> she just lights up the room with her smile. But we're with you wherever you go. Amen. We're, we're, we are connected by the Spirit. We are in the Spirit with you. And um, anything you need from us, just let us know. I'm going to be teaching tonight on, on um, and this is sort of what provoked the Lord to fall in the conference room yesterday. I said three things that we, we should pursue. And that's to be full of the Spirit. And this is really every Christian's goal. To be full of God and to be flooded with God. There's three things. Full of the Spirit, full of God, and to be flooded with God. I'm going to teach you how tonight, I'm not going to be very long. We've got to be in Hinesville at another church tomorrow, so I'm going to try to get out by 10 tonight. But... um. We're no good to the world unless we are full of God and flooded with God. The world is looking for that. There's a lot of born-again Christians who are full of spirit but not full of God. And people are running away from them. Amen? So, to be full of the spirit. I got these two glasses up here. This, if this glass was half full of water, that's a person that just got born again, just invited Jesus in their heart. The Spirit comes in, right, and quickens your spirit back to life, connects your spirit back to God. The fullness of the Spirit is when the glass is full, when this whole temple is full of the Holy Spirit. Most of the church has the Holy Spirit in captivity. That's as far as it can go. It's trying to get out. Amen. It's trying to get out to the world. It's trying to get out in the marketplace. It's trying to get out in these things. So how can I, and this represents my spirit. This represents my soul. This is the fullness of the spirit. Now I'm going to fill the glass, which will represent the Holy Spirit coming into the soul of man. So man is made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. We've got to keep that in mind. Now the spirit, that, this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm full of the spirit. How can I be full of God now? You would think that if you were full of the spirit, you would be full of God. And the Lord taught me on this two weeks ago. He said, Gene, just because you're full of the spirit doesn't mean you're full of me. Man, that was a humbling experience. And just because some people may be full of me, they're still not flooded with me. So I'm going to try to step, step you through this and give you an understanding of how this is done, as the Spirit taught me. But as you, as you meditate on the Word of God and you obey that Word, this is what happens. This is your character. It begins to change. Color. A little at a time. My little man charge covered up, but um, let pull that down just and set it down. For the for the ones that are new tonight, these are visions that the Lord gave me years ago, about sixteen visions. 
to be able to teach from so that we can understand how grace flows. This is the born-again man right here. Some people may have just gotten born again. But the only way you're going to be full of God and flooded with God is you've got to begin to have the character of God. And the more you meditate on the Word, a little bit at a time goes in. And it gets darker and darker. It's changing. This is what your, your, your soul looked like before the Word came in. But now the character has totally changed. All you do is think like God now. Every thought is from God. If you didn't have, and I didn't have God's character, the enemy would flood you with his thoughts. And that's what I want to teach you on tonight is, is how to get the victory. How can I go from A to Z? How can I be full of the Spirit, full of God, and flooded with God? I'm going to give you some teaching on that tonight and, and what actually holds us back from being flooded with God and full of God. So Chris, let's, let's spread out the visions right across here, and I'm going to move up front a little bit to teach on this. And go ahead and help me. What we have to understand is between the entrance of God and the exit of God, there's the instruction of God. And man, I tell you, children hate instruction. Don't they? Tim, children just don't like instruction. And, and that's the way it is with the body of Christ, the born-again babies. If they stay born again, well, they'll stay born again, but they stay a baby too long, they're going to hate instruction. Absolutely hate it. But someone who has, beginning, who has begun to mature, he's going to love instruction. Because instruction is what makes you successful. And listen, some instruction may totally offend you. But Jesus said, if, if you're offended, then offense is already living inside of us. Amen? And that's what we've got to get rid of is the offense. And the only thing that can, can get rid of offense is the love of God. His love begins to pour out in us. God has called us to be the glorious sons of God. I want to step you through this as simply as I can tonight. The Lord has given me six teachings on this, and um, I've been teaching it to the pastors in the pastor's conference, but I'm going to jump ahead a little bit for tonight and teach you how to know the primary way that God speaks to you. The primary way that God speaks to you. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you can just write these down and study them out later. It says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete. That means whole. And it's amazing how we try to make ourselves whole, and Jesus is the only one that can do it. God has to do it. Our responsibility is to cooperate with him through instruction. Through instruction. 
And if I hate the instruction, then I should know that I'm supposed to apply it. Because the flesh hates instruction. But 2 Timothy 3.16, every scripture is, is God-breathed, it says, and profitable for instruction. Every scripture is God-breathed and profitable for instruction. This is God right here. Can we agree that this is God? This is who he is? And he wants this word in my head. That's what he's looking for. That's the only way you're going to be full of God. But he says every scripture is profitable for instruction. It's profitable for correction, for conviction of sin. I'm still in 2 Timothy 3.16. For correction of error. Every dispute, every marriage dispute, there's so many people getting divorces, going to these attorneys, and they're carnal, or they just don't know Jesus. This should settle everything right here. And this is how we counsel marriages around here. Uh, we just open up the Bible and say, hey, start reading this. Doesn't it work, Kim? <laughs> there's some of them that really applied it, and it transformed their marriage. But any dispute should be settled right here. Any dispute. For correction of error and discipline and obedience. For the training in righteousness and holy living and conformity to God's will and thought, purpose and action. So what's the benefit in all this? What's the benefit? When I get this word inside of me, what is the benefit? You know, we can be released from things but what's the benefit of that release? That's why we fear so much, because we don't know what's next. Where's God going to take me? Jesus has chartered a path for us to follow behind. And that path leads us to a highway. And that's where you have full liberty, full blessing, and full love from God that we can give to people. But we have to understand that there is a benefit to, to the hell I go through. There is a benefit to trying to find my identity. There is a benefit from the oppression I have to go through. I ha there was a pastor a long time ago when I was just a baby. He said, Gene, God does nothing for nothing. He's always going to reward you as you yield to him. If you yield to him one step, he's going to yield to you. And he's coming with a reward. Stay with me because I'm building something here. Ephesians 3.19, this is the benefit that you may really come to know the love of Christ. That's the benefit. It's not material blessings that we're looking for. Because if we got them without Christ, we're going to lose them, right? We're looking for the love of Jesus. And when he comes with his love, he prepares us for his blessings so that we don't lose them. To know the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Mamie experienced the love of Christ in that conference room. 
Amen? It wasn't me. I don't even remember half of it. But I felt Jesus rise up in me, and I saw him looking through my eyes. He, now go look at Mamie, uh, Mamie. Just tell her to look into your eyes. It was an unbelievable experience. Of course, it happens a lot, but it's beyond words. You can't put words on it. It discredits it. Being filled without experience, that you may be filled through all your being, spirit, soul, and body, and to the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence, and, these kept saying, and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God. What does it mean to be flooded with God? What does it mean to be full of God? Well, to be full of God, well, let's go back. Let me go back a little bit. To be filled means to be put, to put as much as can be held in the, in the, in the temple. That means to be satisfied. How many of you all are satisfied? Not just temporarily, but satisfied, completely satisfied all the time. That's to be filled with God when you're completely satisfied, where you don't want, want nothing else, don't need anything else, but you just want more of Him. How many of you gotten there? I, I feel like I've gotten there in a measure. We all gotten there in a measure. But to be flooded with God is an overwhelming quantity. When that when that glory came in that conference room yesterday. We were flooded with God. But why did it lift? Why can't we just stay in it? Because the flood of God was coming through our eyes. We were weeping. I know for over an hour and a half, we were just sitting there weeping. But the water was flowing. We were flooded with God. But then he begins to ascend. Why? He gives us a taste of what we're supposed to be walking in. We didn't have a care in the world in that conference room yesterday. Business didn't matter. Nothing mattered. And I know we said, I, I don't know who walked by the, because we have windows in the conference room going down the hallway. We looked like a bunch of dead people sitting up there like this. <laughs> and and, and f flooded with tears the whole time. It was so refreshing. My eyes are still red today from it. It was, it was an awesome experience. That was an overwhelming quantity. The state of an abundant flow of God. He can change us in a moment to give us a sign of where we're supposed to be full time. We're supposed to be like that full time. Flooded with him. So we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but not yet filled with God. We can be filled with God, but not yet filled, uh, flooded with God. I want you to take on this mindset tonight that that's my goal. My goal, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, that's your first goal. Because you'll never be flooded with God till you're full of the Spirit. But that's our goal, is to be flooded with God and to walk in the earth. We have to ask ourselves, which goal have we arrived at? 
we, are we just full of the Spirit? Or we're still getting full of God? Here's some signs. We can judge ourselves by this. Number one, signs of being filled with the Spirit. You have power. You have power. You are a witness for Christ. You are a testimony of grace. Tongues for edification. Now, I, I'm one of those ministers that don't believe that tongue is the evidence of the fullness of the Spirit. Tongues is an evidence. Amen? Because when you get, let me, let me give you a testimony. The Lord uses me just to bust up religion. I was flowing in signs, wonders, and miracles for 10 years after my born-again experience and never prayed in tongues. Never prayed in tongues. And ministers would ask me, he said, well, Gene, you're not full of the Spirit? I said, what does that mean? Doesn't it mean power? Doesn't it mean casting out devils? Doesn't it mean healing the sick? A testimony. I was doing things that they weren't doing, and they were praying in tongues. In fact, they sent them over to my office from the church to cast out a devil because they couldn't do it. So don't get caught up that tongues is the evidence. Because it's not. I'm a testimony. And I really didn't know, know if I wanted tongues or not. But I read the Bible. It says to desire it. That's all right. I desire it. And I was uh, in a sound booth at another church just worshiping God. And all of a sudden my language changed. Nobody said, ba, 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 ba. Say this, ba, 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 ba. That works for some. I've seen it work for some but it wouldn't have worked for me. It had to come unexpectedly for me to believe it, that no man had nothing to do with it. Amen? All right, number two, the signs of being filled with God. Write these down. You don't have to remember these. Signs of being filled with God. Number one, no fear. You have no fear. You have no worry, no anxiety. And all that leads to depression. There is no fear. Because when God's perfected love comes in me, accompanied with his word, God's love is not perfected until his word is in place in my, in my soul. And it casts out fear. So you can live a fear-free life. It's an amazing life not to have fear. Anything could happen around you and fear does not pass through you because the word of God lifts up a standard. Say that's as far as you can go. It can be all around you, but it can't pass through you anymore because that word lifts up that standard. It's important to meditate on the word. No fear. Two is being filled with his love. And number three, is you do not stumble in word. Man, that's a tough one. In other words, you're saying the right thing all the time. And believe it or not, Jesus said we could do it. He said, he who loves me will not stumble in word, for he is a perfect man. 
right? Isn't that what it says? He who loves me will keep my word. That means I won't let go of it. I won't give it to the devil every time he shows up. Those, those are the signs of being filled with God. Now, here's the signs of being flooded with God. Number two, uh, filled with his love. Just filled with the love. No fear, filled with his love. All right? Number three, signs of being flooded with God. All the blessings of God come upon you and overtake you. All the blessings of God come upon you and overtake you. And the reason he does that, because you are now filled with him, you have his word and you have his spirit abiding in you. And he says, when you have these two things in you, you can ask anything you want. And he'll give it to you because now you're asking according to his will. There's no other thought coming in to my mind to ask for something that's contrary to God's will. Number two, lead, lend many, lend Lend to many and borrow from none. How many just want to be the bank and not have to go to the bank to get your money all the time? <laughs> the Bible says it's in De Deuteronomy 28. You can read the whole chapter. This is being flooded with God. When you're able to lend money and borrow from none, you are flooded with God. Amen. That's our goal. He says, you're the head, not the tail. The head, not the tail. That means you have authority. You have authority. Listen, Satan has power, but he has no authority. God gave you the authority. It's in us, but we can't exercise it until the word of God is in us, because that is the authority. Jesus is, is Savior and Lord but for most of us, he's still Savior. He's not Lord yet. Because the Word's not abiding. This is probably some elementary for some of our people, but I'm building something here. I'm going to take you somewhere because I want you to, to know that God gives instruction. And if we follow instruction, he'll back it up. He'll finish it. All grace comes to you in abundance. I'm still on number three. All grace comes to you in abundance. Not just some grace, not just saving grace that got me saved, but all grace. Can you imagine? We couldn't handle all grace if the word of God was not abiding. We couldn't handle it. It would destroy us because grace establishes us in another realm of the kingdom. But if the word of God is not there, to protect me, to lift up the standard when the enemy comes, then the enemy's going to come in and bring me back down. I've seen so many uh, Christians and leaders, uh, the enemy just brings them down because the word of God's not in them. They stepped out on a calling. They stepped out on a gift and began to exercise that without getting the word of God in them first. Amen? And the last thing was, you have an abundance for every good work. Wouldn't it be nice just to help everybody? Doesn't it feel good when you help people? To have excess that when there's a need that you'll help them as God leads you to help them. Now, I've had the devil bring some people to me 
asking for help all the time. And the Lord said, don't help that one. What? He said, don't help them. You'll keep them right where they are if you help them. God is looking for brokenness. He's looking for brokenness. He's looking for desperation. And that's what he moves on, is a broken, desperate heart. That's where he sets up his throne. But here are the principles for the internal flow. There's an internal flow. This is your born-again experience. If you just got born again, this is your spirit man. It has three functions. It just got tied back to God. It got connected back to God. Now you're going to be able to hear God in your belly. You're going to be able to worship God. And you're going to be able to discern what's God and what's not God. But this, the complete salvation showed up in your spirit, man, right here. But Jesus said, you got to work it out. You have to work it out. I have to work it out. (laughs) He's not going to work it out. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit as a helper to help you work this thing out, work this thing out, work this thing out, work this thing out. And the whole time you're working this thing out, the plan for your whole life is unfolding. Destiny is unfolding. Because your destiny is to be flooded with God. We're looking for careers. What's my career? What am I supposed to be doing? If you'll just focus on these three things, I'm going to be full of God. I'm going to be full of spirit. I'm going to be full of God. I'm going to be flooded with God. Everything comes together. Everything comes together. Your career comes. uh, Everything you need comes. The right people start surrounding you. And God puts you in a company of people that will be by your side. They won't betray you. They will love you. They will stand by you. That's what happens. That's an internal flow of grace that happens. So this is your spirit. This is your soul. And the awareness of grace, this is when the two are becoming one. They're merging together right here, just as it was before the fall. Amen? They're merging together. And this is all coming at at different measures, at different levels, so that we can, here's your levels right here, as you can see. You can't jump from here to here. And a lot of them are trying to jump over the wall, right? And get from here to there. But it takes incredible patience and a process to get there. And it's the, and it's, and it's the patience of Jesus that gets us there. Because we don't have patience. My soul doesn't have patience. But here it is. Write these five things down. These are the principles of the internal flow. Number one, it flows through seven functions. It flows through seven functions. I've got three in my spirit, man. Intuition, communion, and conscience. I have four in my soul. Intellect, will, emotions, and affections. God has to sanctify all seven of those for us to be flooded with him. Number two, it flows according to the witness of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the primary way that God's going to speak to us, is the witness of the Holy Spirit. And I'll get into that a little bit tonight. Number three, it flows in the times and seasons of God. So the Holy Spirit is the witness. 
it flows in the times and seasons of God. What I mean by that, that the, wit, that the witness sets you in time. When you get a witness from God, it's setting you in time. And then the obedience to that witness puts you in a season. So God flows in times and seasons. So if we miss the time, if we miss the witness, some of us step out on the witness too early and we miss our season. But I'm going to teach you on that a little bit tonight. Number four, it is tested in trials. So what's tested is what God accomplished in your season. When you obeyed the word of God, you went into a season. And then all of a sudden, everything's going great, and then you, you enter into a trial. So God's testing the substance of what happened in that season. What got accomplished? Number five, it reaches its goal in and through the rest of God. You know when that heavy presence comes down, your mind's at rest? We're supposed to be living in that. That's supposed to be a full-time life as my mind is at rest. My mind is not worried. My mind is not thinking bad of someone else. My mind doesn't care. Amen? Jesus said not to care. Listen, if we care, then he stopped. Whatever's contrary to his word that we're doing, he stops. He said, cast your care on him. And if we don't cast that care on him, he can't care anymore. When you cast something on him, you've got to throw it on him. Get it out of your sight, out of your mind. Start thinking differently. So this is when we have ceased from the weariness and the pain of human labor. How many of your minds are just, just wore out from laboring on thinking on this and reasoning on that? That is what God is calling us out of. He's made everything available to move us out of that realm into his perfect peace, his perfect rest. Because we can't hear him clearly until my mind is renewed. That's why he moves by witness. The witness of the Spirit moves me. So the goal is to be a spotless, washed, blameless bride for Christ. That's our goal. Regenerated, transformed, renewed bride, ready for his return. Aren't you ready for his return? I know I'm ready for his return. There's nothing out there that I want other than souls. That's the only thing I can take to heaven with me. Is souls. So, this is uh, the number one God communicates is by the witnesses. If we look here, when you got born again, you got the first witness. That's the Holy Spirit. Everything you get from the outside to you should confirm what's already in you. If it doesn't, don't take it. The second witness. Is first-hand information for my soul. Who remembers what this second witness is for? To come into agreement with my spirit. Don't jump out and do something 
just because you got this second witness. Because there's an excitement on it. There's an excitement on it. It's going to lead you right into deception if you step out on it. It's not time to step out on it. Paul said, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. So you've got to wait on your third witness. And that's the witness of power. That power, that authority, someone with authority is going to come to you and speak to you. And he's going to launch you right into your destiny. And grace will carry you right into that place. Wait on it. Wait on it. Just commune with God while you're doing it. Now we keep keep in mind that a witness has first-hand information. If we stay focused on the Holy Spirit, it has first-hand information. It has seen everything in heaven. Talk to the Holy Spirit. It's a person inside of you. Develop a communication with the Holy Spirit, and he'll talk back. For a Christian, the Holy Spirit is our witness. That's all we have on the earth to guide us is our witness. For a Christian, Jesus is our advocate. He is our attorney. Without an attorney and a witness, where are you going to go? The prison. <laughs> and most of us uh, already live in a prison or either in and out of prison because we got the wrong attorney and the wrong witnesses around us. We've got to listen to the witness of the Holy Spirit and Jesus as our attorney. He's our advocate. This soul is nothing more than a courtroom where judgment takes place. Judgment takes place right here. This is where all your trials begin, right there. And if we listen to the witness of the truth, the truth of the witness will keep us in the truth. If we li listen to the witness of the truth, the truth of the witness will keep us in the truth. The adversary. How many of you got an adversary? You got a devil chasing you around all the time. He's always on my tail. But there's three angels around me that guards and protects all the time. There's angels around you. One day God's, if you hadn't already seen him, he's going to let you see him. The adversary is opposed to you and me entering God's rest. He's totally opposed to that. And it's only when the internal witness begins to flow that your adversary is going to show up. And we wonder why people are yelling and screaming at us and, doing, and betray, betraying us and doing all these things. It's because the internal witness has already started flowing. And some of us miss the, the establishment of the second witness by yielding to the wrong thoughts. We received the witness because it bore witness with my first witness. But then the enemy sends his thoughts. And we begin to yield to those thoughts. And we abort what God is trying to do right then. I want to teach you tonight on there's three layers of deception that we need to be aware of. And they're lodged in the unrenewed soul. That means our mind is not transformed and renewed back to God. And listen, all of us have these. We're born into these three deceptions. We're actually born into this. But when we yield to this deception, it begins to take root. It begins to set up a stronghold. It begins to set up a strong man. 
in this area. So these layers of deception are empowered by a demonic source to keep us thinking in a demonic pattern. This doesn't mean you have a demon. I want to make sure Mamie was smiling. This doesn't mean you have a demon. Although we could have it if we stay in that place too long. Amen. It only means we have agreement with the demon to influence my thoughts. That's all it means. That I've, I've, I've come into agreement with the spirit to influence my thoughts. This is a stronghold's goal. To block the truth that's behind the witness. Every stronghold is going to block the truth that's behind the witness. This stronghold has come to block the fulfillment of the desire that God put in you. This stronghold has come to block the knowledge of God. This stronghold is blocking your prosperity and your wealth. Every Christian should have a measure, a level of prosperity and wealth. Every Christian should have it. The Bible says it. It's one of the promises. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10.5 We refute arguments, theories, and reasoning. It tells you right there, don't argue. If the enemy tries to get you to argue with somebody, just walk away. Just walk away. Do not reason with flesh. Do not take up counsel with flesh. And it says every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. The true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Now I want to bring out the first deception. These are visions the Lord gave me. And we're going to bring out the first one. And when I saw this, I didn't know what it was. In fact, some people come in here and say, what in the world is going on in this place? They think we're in a cult. When the internal witness begins to flow in me this stronghold right here rejection has come to block my getting here it's blocking now, i want you to study this real good because this is what paul said to lead every thought captive to the truth these are thoughts. These arrows sticking out here, these are nothing but thoughts. And these thoughts are guarding the enemy's goods, which is rejection in this vision. The enemy is guarding rejection because that's his kingdom. How many times have you all been rejected over and over again by people? Then it tells you there's a stronghold demonic influence on the mind. But look, look at his defenses. Non-trusting, fears, manipulation, 
Sex for approval. I see a lot of that in the church now. Just second, fornication is like going crazy in the church. Because the church is looking for approval. Looking for that love. Man-pleasing. Materialism. Now, when we yield to these thoughts, they produce a fruit. Every word that you speak comes back to you materially. Every word you speak comes back to you materially. So, if I'm non-trusting, the fruit of non-trusting, and this is, this is how you just nail the devil. Because when you can recognize the fruit that's coming, you, coming back to you, we have, ought to have enough sense. Man, I'm not going to do that again. Because listen, this stronghold has got to have food. And his food is your mouth. I asked the Lord one time, I said, how? God is the creator. He created the devil. Jesus said, I created the devil for myself. Isn't that amazing? It's in there. He created principalities, powers, dominions, all for himself. Because like Apostle Paul had to do, he had to deliver this one man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Remember, he had sex with his father's wife, of all things, in the church. Satan was made by Jesus for his purpose, not Satan's purpose. Jesus still has rulership over him. But I asked the Lord, how does he get fed? He's a creation. He's a creature. He said, your word's feeding. So when I speak non-trusting, I am feeding the stronghold. I am feeding the demon. And the fruit of non-trusting is this, self-reliance. I don't need anybody. Man, I can do it by myself. God never called you to be by yourself. He never called you to be by yourself. Self-reliance. Let's look at fears. You know how the enemy sets up something for you to fear? Fear you're going to lose this or fear you're going to lose that. Fear you're going to lose your job. Fear you're going to lose that. We're feeding the demonic power that's got a stronghold on my mind. Now, if we think about this, anything that's not fed is going to die. And it all starts with a thought. Fears, the fruit of fear that's going to come back to you is going to be torment. And it's going to come through somebody. <laughs> you have somebody that's ever tormented you? All right. We blame, the, we blame these people for tormenting us when I actually sowed into it. Solomon, the wisest man of all, said, a silent man is a what? Wise man. Because he knew. Demons are fed by my word. Let's look at materialism, or manipulation. Here on the bottom, manipulation. This is someone who's controlling someone else for their advantage. They control other people for their advantage. So if you feel controlled, by someone. You have sowed into that control. Just look at sex for approval. When that thought comes. 
and I speak it. Man, you got to talk to somebody before you can have sex to, with them, right? Huh? No? Unless you're too drunk. But you're murmuring something. Sex for approval. The fruit of that coming back to me is going to be perversion. Now I'm into porn. I'm into this. I'm into that. That's the fruit of it. But I actually sowed into it. I actually fed the demon that was behind it with my words. Man-pleasing. Man, there's a lot of men. I mean, pearls are in the house. Man-pleasing. The fruit of man-pleasing is works. Man, you just work to try to please that person. That's the fruit of it. And it'll wear you out trying to please people. When only God can please people. Amen. But I sowed into it. Amen. I sowed into the, de the demon that's tormenting me. I sowed into to the demon that's keeping me weary and wore out. Materialism. How many can guess what that would be? What the fruit of materialism would be? Debt. 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 That's the fruit of it. You see, when this fruit comes back, it's actually canceling out grace that you need to get you to the goal of being flooded with God. Let's bring up the next one. And listen, all this started with a thought. A thought is the voice of a God. It's either going to be Jehovah or it's going to be Satan. It's going to be Jehovah saying, it starts with a thought. When you get a thought, that is a voice. And that's why Paul said it was so important to bring the thought captive. Man, as Christians, we ought to know all these thoughts by now because we lived them before we came to Christ. Shame is another layer of deception. It is actually hidden behind rejection. These are the spots that Jesus is talking about. Rejection and shame. And there's one more I'm going to bring out. That he's not coming back to a bride with these spots. So let's look at this. Deception is the defense of shame. It's a defense of shame. But what is the fruit of that defense? Let's write this down. I, if I sowed into deceiving someone, the fruit of this is going to be defeat. It's going to be defeat. I actually sowed into my defeat. Let's look at pride. Or let's look at masking. Let's go down this side. Masking. Masking. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Ho, ho. I got the wrong one. Deception. Scratch that. The fruit of deception is lies. Lies. So you have a voice and you have a fruit. It's coming back. Masking. The fruit of masking is hypocrisy. You're going to end up, somebody's going to call you a hypocrite. Well, I'm not a hypocrite. But I sowed into hypocrisy. 
But we want to blame everybody else. They're calling me a hypocrite. I sowed into it. Self-centeredness. Look, look at self-centeredness. That thought comes. What's the fruit of self-centeredness? And that was a tough one. I was asking the Lord, what is the fruit of it? He said, cannibalism. Where we actually eat our own flesh. Not physically, you know what I mean. Cannibalism. Love of money. Let's look at this. The love of money. What's the fruit of that when it comes back? All evil. Can you imagine? That one defense brings back all evil into your life. I'd rather have all grace than all evil. Let's go down this other side. Rebellion. I see a lot of this in church people. Rebellion. And the fruit of that is what? Who, who knows that one? Witchcraft. Witchcraft. So now I've got people praying crazy prayers over my life. But I sowed into it. The rebellion. The pride. Pride is a defense of shame. And the fruit of pride is the fall. Something's going to fall in your life. And it's probably going to be the thing that you love the most. Let's look at the defense of controlling. Shame wants to control. The fruit of that is slavery. When you want to control people, you're in slavery. You're eating the fruit of slavery. But I sowed into it. Cursing. What kind of thought came in you to curse? It wasn't you. But what is the fruit? Death. It's bringing death to something. And it's usually something that's alive and well. That you finally got the victory on. But by cursing, it brought death upon it. But I sowed into it. Shame stands as the mediator between these three layers of deception. If you notice, this, this, this vision the Lord gave me has eight defenses. Rejection had six defenses. I'm going to bring the other one out. It's going to be unforgiveness. You can bring it out. It has six defenses. So I asked the Lord, why does shame have so many defenses on it? Think about it. It's got two more defenses on it than the other two uh, deceptions. And this is what the Lord told me. He said, Gene, it's because Satan's kingdom was birthed in shame in the garden. That was the first thing that showed up was shame. So he's going to protect it. So it stands as the mediator between unforgiveness and rejection. All right, let's look at this one. Bitterness. And have you seen some bitter Christians around? I've had Christians take a knife to my car, put X's all over it because I called out something. The Lord told me to call it out. And it brought shame. It exposed shame. I get up the next morning, brand new Land Cruiser, had deep X's all the way down to the metal all over that car. But I knew who it was. 
but I couldn't do anything about it. But God said, vengeance is mine. I said, don't, don't hurt the guy. He snowed Gene. Vengeance is my love being poured out on your enemy. That's what my vengeance is. Is pouring out love on someone. Where they just feel awful for what they just did. I've had people build eight foot crosses, bigger than the one that was back here that we built. And I drive up my office door and this eight foot cross is sitting in front of the door. They were mocking the Lord. Crazy. This was church people. Bitter. Because of unforgiveness. And the, the fruit of bitterness is this. Defeat. That's where defeat is. If you're a bitter person, you're going to be defeated in life. Pride. Let's look at pride. Pride, here we go again. Now listen, pride was also in shame. So the devil, that's him right there, right? That's why he's cast out of heaven. So he's got both of those defenses on unforgiveness and rejection or shame. But pride, the fruit of that is the fall. Something's going to fall in your life. Complaining. Here's the one I see a lot in the body of Christ and ministering to people is first thing they want to do is complain about somebody else. And the fruit of complaining is what? It invites the destroyer. Not in your life. I mean, in your life, not in the person you're complaining about, but it's inviting the story in your life. Anger. The fruit of that is what? Disappointment. Disappointment. You know, there's not supposed to be any disappointment in the body of Christ. In the kingdom of God, there is no disappointment. And if there is disappointment and you're in his kingdom, then we have unforgiveness. When the unforgiveness leaves, then there's only appointments, not disappointments. It's an appointment for grace. It's an appointment to lay hold of uh, eternal life. Envy. The fruit of envy is poverty. Poverty. Instead of envying what someone has, you should be rejoicing that they have it. And that puts you next in line. Jealousy is another one. The fruit of jealousy is violence. Violence. These are the three strongholds that have the bride. That's keeping the bride from being full of God. Because this is the character of Satan working through his demons, the knowledge against God. This is torment, right? I'm going to give you eight things and we'll close. How to win the spiritual battle of the mind. These are the things that the Lord gave me. How to win the spiritual battle of the mind. Number one, discern the thought. Your victory or your defeat just showed up in a thought. Discern where the thought came.
came from. Number two, confess the wrong thought to God. Just confess it to God. He'll be pleased. Number three, repent. That means turn 180 degrees from that thought. Number four, come into agreement with the Word of God. Come into agreement with the Word of God. And number five, renounce erroneous thoughts and mindsets. Renounce erroneous thoughts and mindsets. Renouncing is so important. There's a lot of repenting going on, but there's no renouncing going on. That means I'm saying, I'm saying I am not doing this anymore. That's renouncing that I'm not doing it anymore. Number six, from now on, immediately bring that thought captive. Immediately bring it captive. Immediately bring it captive. Number seven, begin to renew your mind. Begin to think like God. If you come into agreement with his word, meditate on his word, then you'll begin to think like him. Number eight, last one, set your mind on things above. Don't set your mind on people. Don't set your mind on things. Don't set your mind on circumstances. Set your mind on things above. This is how you're going to get the victory. We can pray and knock this stuff off of you, but it's going to be back tomorrow. There's an instruction here tonight to disarm these things. These are three layers of deception that everybody's born into either through generational curses or it just comes into you through, the, through uh, the flesh. We all got it. We all have it. We're all working our salvation out. Some of us a little farther than others, that's why we can teach. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. <coughs> I want you to bow. We're going to say a prayer together. Bow your heads and let's say this prayer. And just repeat after me. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the finished work of the cross, which I take hold of now for my deliverance. Lord, I recognize that I have given place to worldly and evil thoughts that go against your word. Today, I repent with all my heart and all, and I confess every one of those thoughts by name. Now, just take a second and confess them. You can whisper them out, whatever thought that is, whatever thing you're going through. Just get it out of the temple. Get it out of the mind. Let it exit. Take a moment and let it exit. Let it go. All right, I break any agreement with them, and I come into agreement with you, 
and with the mind of Christ. I renounce every mindset that conforms to worldly thinking, unbelief, sexual immorality, fear, rebellion, stubbornness, and anything else that is opposed to you, God. And I cast them out of my mind. Right now, I break all agreements with the strongholds and their defenses. I take every thought captive to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I renew my mind and I declare myself to be free in Jesus' name. Amen. Giving some praise. Thank you, Lord. Y'all stand up. And let's just give him another clap of praise for his revelations, for his visions. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. I wish I'd, we'd had these visions 20 years ago when I was a baby Christian. Man, I would have been a lot further along. It's good to see the visual. You can preach on it all day, but when you see it, what's actually happened, man, you can get a full understanding of what's going on. Those of you who can make it to, to Hinesville tomorrow, Carrie's going to be 